to go. Amen. The gospel according to Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. While you're looking for it, can you repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 44. When you got it, say, I got it. Let me read it to you if you don't mind. Reading from the NASB, it reads, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their, their minds, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Went on to verse 47 and says, and the repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. For a moment today, man, I just simply want to lift up this text and talk to you about a simple topic, the resurrection. A simple topic, the resurrection. You may be seated. I want you to look to somebody to the left or the right of you, front of you, back of you, and simply ask them, do you know the truth about the resurrection? Well, today my hope is to, to enlighten you if you didn't know. Why, Pastor, do you say that you're going to choose to enlighten us about the truth about the resurrection? Believe it or not, many of us go to church day in and day out, and besides Easter, we never really talk about the resurrection. Uh, many of us, the only time we hear about the resurrection is when a good old hooping pastor is getting ready to close his text, and he tell you that he was born, he, he bled, he died, and he rose. That's, that's about the most we know is that Jesus went and he laid in a borrowed tomb. And somehow on Sunday morning, he rose so that we can have everlasting life. There's a lot of things that have taken place in Jesus' life, but I want you to understand something. I need you to, to really hold on to this, maintain a, a understanding, because I need you to take this with you. And this first thing that I need you to realize is that the resurrection is the heart of the Christian faith. Uh, the birth is great. We, uh, we need the birth because without the birth, we could never have a death. And without the death, we could never have a resurrection. But the resurrection is the heart of the Christian faith. The resurrection is what holds the, both the power and the purpose as it relates to us being Christians. Many people don't, don't receive that, don't understand that. Before you can even accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you first have to believe that he was born and he died and he rose. Amen? The resurrection is part of the process that we all need to understand. And it was not simply that Jesus was hung on a cross and that they put him in a borrowed tomb and that three days later he rose again. The Virgin uh, Mary, the Mother Mary, uh, and, and a couple of other, other people, Joanna, and a couple of other people went to the tomb and 
they seen that the tomb was empty. They got afraid. But an angel of the Lord, a couple of angels of the Lord actually appeared and says, be not afraid. It's not just those things. It's not just the, the fact that they were able to say that, you know what, he rose and they seen their folded upper however they found was the, the clothes that belonged to Jesus, the cloth that they had wrapped them in. And then they run back and tell the disciples, hey, Jesus is, is coming. But before they can get to the disciples, they encounter Jesus on the road. There's a lot that we need to understand about what took place between the time Jesus was put in the grave and the time he found his way out of the grave. Why, why is this resurrection so important? After all, God is God, right? If God is God, he shouldn't have had to go through that whole process. And if God went through that process, it had to have a purpose. It had to be a reason attached to it. And that's what I wanted to talk about today because the resurrection is the heart of the Christian faith. We need to understand that. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you need to understand what is the resurrection, what does it symbolize, and what does it mean. Again, resurrection is the heart, and the heart has both power and purpose. Think about your own body. Uh, you can do with a lot of things, but you can't. You can do without a lot of things, but what you can't deal without is your heart. Uh, we need our heart. Uh, the heart is this one muscle that we can't even uh, begin to phantom how, who started it, how it started, and when it's going to it has its own rechargeable battery. It pumps on its own. Uh, matter of fact, the heart is so, is, is so important to you. When, when your heart stops uh, and they can't resuscitate you with CPR, they have to use electricity, electric shock to shock your heart. So it leads us to believe that the heart has some type of power source of its own. We don't understand it. We can't begin to comprehend it. But I know we don't want to play with it. We want that power ticker to keep on ticking. Amen. And we know that our heart has a purpose. We know that our heart has a purpose. What is the heart's purpose? It supplies a flow of oxygenated blood throughout your bloodstream. That We know that's for sure. It, it processes in used blood. It then uh, filters it and puts more oxygen in it and sends it throughout your body. That's how your limbs function, your brain function. All of those things happen. Without this heart pumping blood, you would have a lot of problems. Once your heart stops, you stops. So if we uh, take that same principle and we apply it to the Christian faith and, and come to an understanding that our, our heart of our faith, the resurrection, is both the power and the purpose of why we are who we are and how we are who we are, then we should come to a point where we begin to realize if we don't understand the power source and the purpose, then we have a problem. Uh, we're not able to function in the manner that we're supposed to. And so that's what I want to spend time on today is making sure that we know the truth about the resurrection. I'm not going to be like most churches across this great nation. I have nothing against them. I love them all. But a lot of preachers today, they're going to stand up today and they're going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, the lashings that Jesus took, the crown of thorns that were placed on his head. Uh, that's good news. But guess what? That's old news. It's old news because today is a three-day process after he was whipped, after crowns were put on his head. So let's talk about what does today symbolize. Why is it that we, we, we find ourselves trying to buy new clothes on this day? Uh, what does that mean to us? Why, where did that start from? What, what does it symbolize? And how can we take what we're attempting to do in the physical and make it manifest itself in the spiritual? That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to make sure that we have an understanding. So for us as believers, one of the first things that I need us to realize is that the resurrection is a presentation of God's power. That's one of the first things I need you to understand. 
The resurrection is a presentation of God's power. Yes, God is God. God could have did whatever he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it, however he wanted to do it. But he chose that the resurrection would be the walking example of how powerful God is. We need to understand that as a believer, that when we think about Jesus rising from the dead, it just wasn't uh, just a simple miracle like he did to Lazarus. This was very uh, significant. Lazarus wasn't dead for three days. Lazarus was dead for a short period of time. Here Jesus was put in the tomb for several days. And so when Jesus rises three days later, we see God's power at work. We see God truly functioning. The second thing that I want us to understand is not only is it a presentation of God's power, but it is a, a proclamation. It is a proclamation of God's purpose. It's a proclamation of God's purpose. When we think about the resurrection, it's a proclamation of God's purpose because through the resurrection, he tells and assigns us to what it is we're supposed to do. Through the resurrection, he gives us our assignment. He notifies us that he is God, and because he is God, there is some expectations that he naturally has for you. Now, we're going to get into this text because I want us to understand to the fullness of what he's showing us, but every point we talk about, what I need you to realize is there is a power moment and there is a purpose moment. God never moves through his power without having a purpose. When God's power is shifted and moves, he does so because there is a significant purpose. God just doesn't do things just to do things. He doesn't wake up and say, I just want to just be God today, and because of it, I want to make the sky pink. There is a significant purpose why he does what he does. So anytime we see God's power, we see God's purpose. Hold on to that. Remember that. Why? Because one of the first points that I need you to understand today is that the resurrection is confirmation. It's one of the words, the first, first thing I need us to realize. When we think about why do we as believers need the resurrection? The first reason we need the resurrection, because the resurrection serve as confirmation. If you don't believe me, look at verse 44. I want to read it for you. I want to read it for you. The very first thing that verse 44 says in Luke chapter 24, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. This is what God says. He says, listen, I've already told you, this is what I'm going to say to you, that everything, everything that was ever written about me has to come true. This is, this is what Jesus, when he's talking about the resurrection, this is not the fancy show, this is not the cross, this is not blood being shed, this is not them piercing him in the side, this is not them giving him a, a, a sponge full of vinegar, which was wine at that time. See, I want to make sure I tell you that because I want you to think pastor don't know the story. I know everything that happened, but I want to deal with the resurrection. Why do we need the resurrection? Why do we need to understand the resurrection? And the first point, the first reason that we have to understand as for a believer, the resurrection is confirmation. 
The resurrection is confirmation. Jesus himself says it in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, that everything that has been written about me has to come to life. I read to you earlier, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah had talked about everything that was going to happen to Jesus. Isaiah was here years before Jesus walked on the earth. And as a result of the word being in Isaiah, as a result of the word being in Psalms, as a result of the word being in all the other prophecies, guess what? Jesus says if God spoke it, it has to happen. So the resurrection is confirmation for us. Now, I want you to see the power in that confirmation. The first thing that I need you to understand, the power in the confirmation is that God's word is true. This is the power of the confirmation. This is, this is where you see God's hand at work. God's word is true. Jesus says, essentially, I have to go through everything that I have to go through just so that my father's words won't be a lie. If Jesus was never crucified, then anything that he told the prophet Isaiah, anything that he told Jeremiah, anything that was already told about what was supposed to happen to Jesus would be considered void. It would make him a liar. It would make God a liar. And as a result of God being God, he says, you know what, I have to give you this resurrection. I have to give you this crucifixion. Why? Because I need you to understand that God's word is true. We remember the time when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane when he said, you know what? I, I need to pray because I need to take this moment because he asked his father what? Father, if there's any way possible, please remove this cup from me. Jesus didn't want to die. The fleshly part of man, the God man, didn't want to be crucified. Matter of fact, the text says simply, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. He didn't want to go through this. And so he came to the Father and said, if, if there any other way. And now I can look back after studying this text and I can see that God was saying, son, I can't give you another way. Because if I give you another way, then everything that I have said to the people to get them to this point makes me a liar. And so what I, what I need you to go through, you have to go through because that is the responsibility of the Messiah. This is the first reason we have to have the resurrection. The resurrection stands as confirmation to the Christian faith that God's word is true. This should make you never question God's word again. That's why the power move is that God shows I will do whatever I have to do, even when it's not pleasing to me, to make sure you understand my word is true. This is essentially what God is saying to us. And because God shifts with power, he does so with a purpose. What is God's purpose as it relates to confirmation? You should find it on the screen. God's purpose as it relates to confirmation is simply to encourage us to trust him. Catch it. If God would have been a liar, nobody could ever trust him again. If God would have reneged on his word, if Jesus would, if the prophecy would have said, Jesus, you're going to be crucified after three days, you're going to raise. If Jesus would have raised in two days, we would have been like, oh, no, that ain't what the text said. That's not what you said. Something went wrong. You're a liar. You're not the real Messiah. And so God essentially has to fulfill his word so that what? His people can trust him. That's the purpose of God having confirmation power within our lives through the resurrection so that people can trust them. What are you saying, Pastor? When God has already spoken and put his word into play, it's our responsibility to hear it and trust it. 
That's how a relationship works. You know, if you're in a relationship with your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother, your mama, your daddy, and somebody always lying to you, you stop wanting to listen to them. You don't want to hear it no more. Why do you not want to hear it anymore? Because all you've done is lie. I've trusted you and trusted you, and as a result of it, it ends up putting me in a situation where I get let down time and time again. My wife got me this week. Man, it's funny how God deal with you when you're studying his word. She got me this week because I'm real bad about setting dates with my wife. I'm, I'm, I'm real bad about setting dates with her. And the, and the thing is that that's always, you know, life, there's always something that comes up. And, and I, I'm a man. I'm not a perfect man. And sometimes you, you try to weigh out what's, what, well, this, I need to deal with this right now. I can do this later. And so sometimes I call and I'll be like, you know what, baby, something came up and, and I'm going to be a little late. And uh, matter of fact, can we just reschedule? And I expect her, because of our relationship, to be understanding. But to her, it's not fair. Uh, if you tell me you're going to do something, then you're supposed to do it. And so she hurt my feelings this week. I don't know if she knows she hurt my feelings this week. But she hurt my feelings this week because I said, hey, baby, I want a date. A Friday, I don't have to work. Uh, let's go out to eat. I got my check. I'm ready to go eat. Come on, let's go have a good time. And, and she was like, no, I'm good. I'm going to just stay at home. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm inviting you to go out to eat. And, you know, I'm, I'm not bawling yet. I'm going to get there. God going to bless me to get there. I'm not bawling yet. But I, I, so this is place, Kyle, y'all might have heard of it, Texas Day, Brazil, something like that. Man, this is the rich folks buffet. You know, my daddy used to take me to the CC's buffet and all that good stuff. But Texas Day Brazil, that's the rich folks buffet. They, they come out with this fancy meat on a stick, and, and they, they take that meat on the stick, and they slice it off for you and let you put it delicately on your plate. And see, I can't afford the rich folks buffet uh, at nighttime. They, they charge too much at nighttime. But every once in a while, I can get in there in the early time of the day. And so I wanted to take her to this place, and I, and I know she likes it. And so I was telling her, hey, let's go to this place. And she's like, nah, I'm good. And I said, well, why you don't want to go hang out with me? Why you don't want to go eat with me? Because you never keep your promise. Whoa, what do you mean? What have I not done? Every time you say you're going to have a date with me, this is her now. Every time you say you're going to have a date with me, you never show up. Uh, you always reschedule. That's, and so it hurt me. It hurt me. And, and it made me think about the last few times I told her, hey, I'm going to take you to the movies. Or, hey, we're going to go out to eat. And how I put something else in front of her to expect her to wait until I can get back to her. And because of the fact, even though I didn't think I was lying, to her I was lying. And because of the fact I was lying, it caused her to no longer trust me. And as a matter that she no longer trusted me, she no longer wanted to spend time with me. God doesn't want to be a liar to his people because of the fact that he needs his people to trust him. Why does he need his people to trust him? Because he expects them to spend time with them. If God has ever lied to you, then you have every right to turn your back on him. But I can assure you that God has never lied. You may have misinterpreted what God has said, but I can promise you that God has never lied. Many of us will not take the time to test God at his word. We, don't, we just don't trust God by default. Why? Because we think about the people who we've put on a pedestal in our lives that have let us down before, and as a result of it, we choose not to trust God because we can't trust them. So essentially, when we think about the resurrection, we have to understand that the resurrection, the only reason it had to take place, because for us as believers, it was God executing his power as confirmation that he is God 
and that he is true to his word. Amen? God expects us to trust him because what? His word is true. The second thing that I need you to understand is not only is the resurrection symbolic of confirmation to us as believers, the resurrection is also symbolic of clarification. That's, that's real big. God doesn't only use his power to confirm who he is and what he says, but he also uses the resurrection as clarification to us. Look, go with me. Verse 45. Verse 45 and verse 46. This is what the Bible says. After Jesus has already told him everything has to be fulfilled, he goes to verse 45, and then he says what? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He, this is Jesus. He's having a Bible study with the disciples right then and there. He's like, man, I want to open your mind. And, and listen, I, I, I don't know if Jesus was opening his mind to just do what he said, or if he literally just said, listen, I need you to receive what I'm giving you. But he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. He says, listen, I need you to have clarity. He opens his mind because a lot of times we can say a lot of things, but people yet and still don't understand. This is one reason I don't like jumping around the Bible. I, I want to stick with the text because I want to make sure whatever you hear from me that you fully understand it. You're, you're more than welcome to anytime you, you don't understand something to reach out to me after service and say, listen, Pastor, you missed me on that. Can, can you help me with that? Jesus uses the resurrection. He uses his whole process to provide clarity. Jesus didn't just rise and say, hey, look at me, I'm gone. He sits there and he has a momentary Bible study with them opens their mind to do what? Understand the scripture. Why? Because he doesn't want them to miss this moment. When we think about the resurrection, we should not only think about God's confirmation by showing us his word is true, we should also think about God's clarification. Jesus takes this opportunity and he uses the resurrection as an example of his clarification. And the power moment in that, the power moment in that is that it shows us that God has all authority. Look at the text. Look at the text. When we look at verse 46, it says, and he said to them, this, first of all, he opened their mind. Then secondly, he said, thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. The confidence within that prophecy lets us know that God has all authority. He says, first of all, I got authority over the way you think. I want to take the time to make sure you understand what I'm about to say. He demands that you're going to get this scripture today. You're going to eat this word today. And he says to them in the process, I need you to realize that it's already written that Christ was going to be crucified. He was going to be beaten. He says, and that he was going to die. And then it goes and says, but he's going to rise on the third day. Why is this important for us to understand? Because it shows God's power. Not only does God have power over us as individuals, but God has all power over all situations. I don't know people that can say, I'm going to die right now and I'm going to wake up three days later. I, I, I don't know it. I remember 
uh, when Jesus was telling the disciples and Peter got upset because Jesus said, listen, there's going to be somebody who's going to come, uh, some soldiers, and they're going to try to take me away. Peter jumped up out of his seat and said, no, they ain't Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurt them. You ain't going nowhere. And Jesus had to, to curse him and tell him to sit down because at the end of the day, God's word has to be true. It had to come to pass. It had to be fulfilled. And guess what? G uh, uh, here it was. Peter must then believe him because when the soldiers actually came to take Jesus, Peter was the first one to pull out that knife. Y'all don't pull out your guns because we don't carry knives. Now. But Peter was the first one to pull out that knife and, and try to cut off. The man there not, didn't try. He did cut off his ear. And, and what does Jesus do? Jesus stops Peter and then takes the time to heal the man's ear back on. Why? Because God's word has to be true. We can't change what God is going to do. What God said has to be, take place, we have to honor it. Otherwise, we go totally opposite of what God has said to do. And so here it is that Jesus says, because it's already said that I have to be crucified, because it's already said that I have to die because it's already said that I have to rise after three days. That's why it's going to happen. And it shows that it happens because God has all authority. This is something that we really need to understand. This is something we need to receive clarity on, that God has all authority. We spend a lot of time wasting time trying to do what we want to do with our lives trying to do what we want to do with our jobs, with our marriages, with our finances, with our education, trying to do what we want to do only to end up in the same situations over and over. Why? Because we won't respect God's authority. We don't respect the fact that God is God. This is why God has to show us the resurrection, because he wants us to understand that I am God. I can do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, whenever I want to do it. This is what he makes plain and simple. Then he goes to the point and he says, not only is it my power is shown through my authority, but why, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of God exhorting his authority? What is the purpose of God showing us his authority by showing us not only does he have a control over us as individuals, but he also has control over life and its situation. He does this, why? To encourage us to submit to him. This is the purpose. Whenever God has to show his authority, whenever God utilizes his authority, whenever God displays who he is, which is every day of our lives, he does so to encourage us to submit to him. This is the purpose of the resurrection. If people seen that Jesus was beaten, they seen that Jesus was crucified, and they turned around and seen that Jesus was buried, and then they found out that Jesus rose from the dead. They see God's power. They see God's authority. As a result of them seeing their authority, what does God expect to happen? He expects them to submit to him. You don't believe me? John 3, 16, it wrote it all out for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him. So he gave his only begotten son is talking about the death and whosoever believeth in him is talking about the resurrection. Should have what? Everlasting life. So he says, I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure you believe in me. So when we think about the resurrection, when we think about Easter, it's not about the bunny and the eggs. It's about knowing that God did what he had to do, number one, to confirm he is God, number two, to have clarity on his position as God. You got to remember in this time, everybody was calling somebody God. But when you're the God that can, 
can do everything that Jesus did and then turn around and when Jesus dies, raises him from the grave, it solidifies your position as God. You're not questioning who is the real true God. Heard somebody sing song this week that Buddha couldn't do it. Allah couldn't do it. Confucius, he probably was confused himself. But here it was that Jesus Christ did it all under the power and the authority of his Father. So when God shows us that he's God, he does so because he wants us to submit to him. I want you to understand this. How many times have God showed you that he's God in your own life, but, but once God has came through for you and shown you through a blessing or through grace or through mercy that he is God, that you fail to still submit to him? When God wakes you up, when he gives you the activities of your limb, the, the oxygen in your lung, when, I mean, just the mere uh, fact that a, a woman can have a baby inside of her for nine months and it can cook and grow and twist and, 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 and develop all these features and come out looking like people, and that's nothing but God. I know we live in a society where a man keeps trying to play God, but we know that man keeps getting it wrong. They try to define or redefine everything that God has already done. The greatest thing about a word, once you give it a definition, it doesn't need to change. We don't need to change anything that God has already put in place. If this is what God said it was, then let it be. We have to respect God's authority, and as a response to respecting God's authority, it requires us to what? Submit to him. You respect your boss authority on the job, right? So you, you might not even like them, but you what? Submit to them. Why? Because you want your check. So if we just got to take that same principle and put it to God. I got to respect our God's authority. Why? I, even though I don't like it. I don't like the fact that he tells me this is the way I should live. I don't like the fact that he tells me this is what I should believe. But I know that he is God. And as a result of it, I have to do what he's asking me to do. Why? Because I want my blessing. I want my everlasting life. I want everything that God has for me. It may not feel good to me. I may think I know a better way, but the fact is, he's God. And the fact that he's God, I should willingly submit to his authority. That's the second point. Get to the third point. The third point, when we think about the resurrection, what should we understand? The resurrection is consecration. This is why we as believers need the resurrection. The resurrection is not only confirmation. The resurrection is not only uh, clarification. The resurrection is also consecration. What does this word consecration mean? It means to purify, to make whole, to bring new life. I want you to look at verse 47 with me. This is how we know that the resurrection is consecration. Because Jesus says, and that repentance, because through his death, through him being killed, murdered, beat, through him and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in whose name? His name. To who? All nations. Beginning where? In Jerusalem. I want you to understand this for some of my new Christians that's fighting with people telling them that uh, Christianity is a white man's religion or Christianity is, is not uh, it's just something in America, whatever it is, that, that something that man made up. Here it is. If, if America made up Christianity, why would they say that it would begin in Jerusalem? Help me here, somebody. 
And then it was prophesied in the text through Jesus Christ that through my death, people will be forgiven through every generation, through all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was just the start. Jerusalem was just ground zero for the Christian faith. Right then at that moment, all the disciples, when they were talking to Jesus, they were in Jerusalem. This is why we know the resurrection is important. Jesus didn't say Bethlehem, where I was born, is going to be where it begins. I mean, to us, we would think that his birth should have been the significant beginning of Christian faith. Uh, He didn't tell us that in Galilee where he healed someone, that was going to be the beginning. Why? Because people were just following him for what they could get from him. But when they seen Jesus Christ die, when they seen Jesus Christ rise from the dead, they knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was truly the Son of God. And that's why Jesus says that forgiveness through my death for all sins will begin in this place. Forgiveness for us as Christians is our consecration. Forgiveness is what purifies us and washes us white as snow. The blood that Jesus shed, the fact that he rose from the dead, is what gives us another opportunity to be redeemed. The one thing that we got to understand about the resurrection as it relates to consecration, what is God's power move in this text? What is he trying to show us? And what God is trying to show us through the resurrection is that God loves us in spite of. That's something that we really need to embrace. Why? Because he says forgiveness for all sins would be proclaimed in his name to what? All nations. So he says in the moment that I've given up my life, now that I've rose from the dead, everybody has a pardon. All they have to do is believe in me. This is a testament to God's love. Why? Because it was God's love that sent him to live and die for our sins. So God says through the resurrection, what we have is a moment of consecration because we have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And as a result of us accepting him, we now can become a new individual. As a result of us accepting him, we now become a new person. This is why a lot of people go buy new clothes. I bought some new deeds too. Y'all like them? <laughs> On Easter, you going to get yours tomorrow? It's going to work. <laughs> this is why on Easter, people want to look fresh and clean. Because physically, we know, oh, this is a, a new day for our Savior. But spiritually, we should always wake up wanting to be fresh and clean. Because we know because he rose, we have a chance at a new life. We have that opportunity. So God's power in the resurrection as it relates to consecration, it shows that God loves us in spite of. Catch us. What is the purpose? What is the purpose? What is God trying to get from us? Because anytime he executes his power, he does it for a reason. And the purpose is to encourage him to encourage us to love him because of. God loves us in spite of. What does that mean? No matter what it is that we've done, no matter who we are, no matter how much wrong we've done. If you was a murderer before you knew Jesus, God still loves you. If you was a robber, whatever you've done, 
liar, thief, whatever it is, God still loves you, and you're able to be forgiven. You don't believe me. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a thief on the right-hand side of him. Actually, it was two, one on the right, one on the left. One of them had some good common sense. He didn't talk crazy to Jesus. He said that, Jesus, listen, I know you are who you are. And the other one said, no, if you're really the son of, if you're really the son of God, take yourself down on his cross. Slay all of them right now. He began to taunt Jesus. And then the smart one, he said, listen, fool, you need to keep your mouth closed because this is truly the Messiah, and I, ain't, I don't want no problems out of him. He said, we've done what we did. He ain't did nothing to be up here. And, and then he looked at Jesus and said, listen, man, if you can just remember me, when you get in your father's house, I will be okay with that. The Bible tells us that Jesus says to that man, listen, that's how strong our Savior was on the cross having a conversation. And he tells that man, you will be with me. And my father, he, was, he said himself, I was wrong. That shows you the power of God's forgiveness. All you have to do is repent. All you have to do is admit there's something wrong with me. The worst thing for an addict to do is walk around and claim they're not an addict. You can never get help if you won't own up. He owned up to what was wrong with him, and as a result of it, God forgave him. He acknowledged who Jesus was, and as a result for it, God forgave him, and he said, with me, you will be. And so it shows us that all God cares about is I will love you in spite of. But I need you to love me because of. This is what the text says, John 3, 16. We can keep talking about it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in me, all I need you to do is believe in me because of what I've done. I know you don't, know you don't believe in me for everything that I've done for everybody else, but believe in me because of what I've done for you. Some of us, we can't look as far back as Jesus Christ. But we should be able to look as far back as yesterday. We should remember what God has done for us. Listen, there's nothing worse than an ungrateful individual. I had this uh, high dollar projector at the house I was selling. I was just talking to my wife about it yesterday. I put it on, on Craigslist to sell didn't realize how foolish I was. I could have bought a $100 projector. It would have did the same thing that this $800 projector did. It didn't even use that much. But when I looked at the projector and it showed me how much it was, I, I wanted to kick myself all over again. But I, I had this high-dollar projector that I was selling. A preacher friend of mine, he, he happens to need a projector at his church right now uh, so that he can have a confidence monitor uh, on the back of his screen, on the back of his wall, so he can read his text and different things. Uh, and he said, man, do you have a projector? And I was like, yeah, man, but it costs this much. He was like, oh, no, I just need something like $100 or $150 or something. And I said, oh, well, this ain't how much this costs, you know what I mean? And I said, well, man, let me, uh, let me see what I can find, and I'll get back with you. And I got off the phone with him, and I talked to my wife. I was like, man, you know what, uh, Pastor, he needs this, man. I, I, I kind of want to give this to him. And I said, but this is all he can give it to me for. And she was like, well, you going to be okay with that? And I was like, well, not really, but uh, to be honest, I, I need to be because there was a time when uh, the church was in need and he sent $200 over. Matter of fact, it wasn't just one time, it was two times that he blessed our church. And, and so if I technically add those blessings plus what he's going to give me, yeah, he's paid more than enough 
uh, for this projector that I'm not using that's sitting in my garage. See, I, I don't know how he would have felt, but I would have felt bad if I would have told him no, he couldn't have it, knowing everything that he had done for us in the past. Uh, see, he received that projector because of what he had already done. As, as an individual, as a believer, we have to always honor God because of. We don't have to be walking around saying that I'm going to serve God when he do something. We should be thankful for what he's already done. See, when I wake up in the morning, I don't wake up in the morning excited that the fact that God's going to bless me even more today. I'm just excited that he blessed me yesterday. I'm excited that just two minutes ago, he gave me the ability to wake up. I'm excited that yet and still, he sends people to worship with us. I'm excited that God gives us another opportunity day in and day out. I can't always live life chasing tomorrow because the truth is tomorrow might not get here. So I need to find joy in my today and my yesterdays. This is why many of us are walking around sad and depressed. You should wake up every day refreshed because you know you gave yesterday all you had to give it. Some of us are going to bed saying tomorrow or two years from now, my life is going to be better. Did you forget you're not God? You, you don't even know if you get two years. Catch this, man. I told my wife yesterday, I think the devil was trying to keep me from preaching this message. Two, I seen two horrible accidents yesterday. I mean, literally, no, not, not just drove by. Physically seen them happen and barely missed it. On Luke 12, coming, coming back from Irving, five, might have been a five, six car parlor, just T-boned all on the freeway, just everything. People having to drive over the grass just to get off the freeway. Seen it happen right in front of us. Stopped and rendered aid. Had my kids in the car. A second, if I would have left a second from my location earlier, that would have been me. And I, I, the reason I, I chopped that one up is just an accident. But then I get ready to, on my way home, same thing, getting off the freeway, 67, headed to Cedar Hill, and there it is right in front of me. A car runs a red light, T-bones into another car, happens again. That's why I say it had to be the devil. He had a ticket out for me. But every delay that God put in my path protect me from whatever was coming for me. I need you to understand something. Everything is not going to be the way you want it how you want it. But find a way to be happy with what you have. If we get to the point where we stop living to, to, for tomorrow and just live for the day, we will be so excited. And I'm not saying blow your whole life savings, throw away your 401K, don't invest in life insurance. I'm not saying none of that. But what I am saying, do what you're supposed to do today. Because you might not have a tomorrow. You might not have a tomorrow. So here we've learned so far, we learned what? A couple of things we learned that uh, through the resurrection is confirmation, through the resurrection is clarification, through the resurrection is consecration. I want to give you one last thing, one last thing, and we're going to get out of here and go let these kids hunt some eggs down, take some pictures and some different things. The last thing I want to share with you today is that the resurrection is a creation. For a believer, resurrection is creation. We can say a recreation, a new creation, but it is a creation. You don't believe me. I didn't think so either. I had to really look at this text. Look at verse 48, verse, verse 48 and 49. We're going to close on this. The Bible says you are witness of these things. So he's giving you assignment. We know what they are. They are disciples. You are a witness of these things. Catch verse 49. This is where everything happens. And behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city 
until you are clothed with power from on high. Whoa. I'm going to send you forth with the promise of my Father upon you. What is the promise of my Father upon you? Everlasting life. Because that's what God promises, right? If you God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the promise that he's given him. He's put the promise upon them. He's put the promise within their lives. He put the promise on their lips. Why? Because it's their responsibility as disciples to go and share the gospel. He's given them the promise. Then he turns around and he tells them, after he says, I'm going to give you this, he says, but... You are to stay in the city. What city? Jerusalem. You are to stay in the city. Why does he need to stay in the city? Because Jerusalem will be the starting point. It will begin in Jerusalem. We know that if you don't know anything else, this is the time of Pentecost. What happens during the time of Pentecost in Jerusalem? All the Jews come into the city. Listen, God has a plan. He has brought every Jew in the nation to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Why? Because he knows what I'm about to do here is finna shift the nations. All I need to do is leave them. I need y'all to stay in Jerusalem because in just a few days, everything is going to take place. And what's going to happen is I'm going to let my spirit flow upon you that people are going to look for guidance and direction. Our God is intentional with his details. So he says, stay here. He said, I'm going to give you something, but I need you to stay in Jerusalem. Why? Because in this city, you are to be clothed with power from upon high. Catch this. What is the power of being a new creature, of being recreated? The power is God has granted us life. When we think about the resurrection, we should look at the resurrection symbolically of because Jesus rose, we rose. Because Jesus is no longer dead, we no longer have to die. We can live everlasting. Yes, our physical man has to perish, but our spiritual man never has to perish. And the fact of it, if you really study your Bible, some of you will stop being sad and upset because you can't have fun in this life. Once you really read the text and understand that God says, I'm going to create it again. But this time when I create it, it's not going to be a problem. Do you understand that means that Maserati you wanted in this life? you'll get a chance to get it in the next life. Uh, that Bentley you wanted in this life, that mansion you wanted in this life, you'll get a chance to get it in the next life because he says, I will create it again. I I'm going to recreate this thing, but this time sin won't be on the scene. And so we should be celebrating because as long as we accept Jesus, we've already put down payment on our future joy. We already have excitement knowing that whatever it is that God has for me, heaven on earth, wherever it wants to be, I already, I already put my deposit down. I don't have to pay anything else. Everything is free. I ain't got to worry about currencies or anything because when I get there, all the man-made foolishness that I've had to deal with here and the problems to put somebody above somebody else, I ain't got to worry about it no more because everybody there will be worshiping God. Everybody will be on the same page. I don't got to worry about the separation between church and state. I don't got to worry about prayer and school if I can whoop my kids or not. I ain't going to have no bad kids. I'm going to be okay because I know where I'm going to be. So catch this. God has promised that you're going to have a new life. That's the power move. Catch this. If he told Jesus that you were going to be born, you are going to die, you're going to be crucified, and you're going to raise again, and after three days, you're going to be transcended back up to heaven. If he said that and it's done, why would he lie to you? This is why we should get joy about the resurrection, because we get a chance at a new life. 
Many of us are walking around not thinking that God is going to give us what we need and or what we want. And it's because what we need and what we want aren't tied to God in the first place. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what all of the righteousness, righteousness, not foolishness, but all of the righteousness shall be added unto you. When you seek God's first, you'll be amazed at how it changes the things that you desire. God's power move is that he gives us new life. What is God's purpose? If God gives us new life, baby, you can ask it if you need to. Uh, his purpose is to simply for us to be willing to accept it and to share it. How do we know that's his purpose? Because he tells them to stay there. First of all, he says, I'm sending, I'm sending you forth. I'm sending you forth with my power. In order for you to be sent, that means I have a purpose for you. But he says, I need you to not only accept what I'm giving you. That's why he tells them, but you have to stay in Jerusalem. Why does he have to tell them, but you have to stay in Jerusalem? Because they're still men. They have free will. They had a choice to leave. But if they would have left, guess what would have happened? They would have missed out on everything that God had for them. So here it is, God saying, if you stay here, I'm going to bless you with something. And I, you have to be willing to accept it. And your staying here is your obedience, which shows me that you're willing to accept it. And as a result that I bless you with what I'm giving you, I'm asking you to go there forth and share it. This is where it really gets good. And I, I want to leave right here. He says, what I'm going to give you, I'm going to send you out to share it with others. This is why I believe many of us are failing in our faith. This is why I believe many of us are struggling on a day-in and day-out basis because we are selfish with what God is doing in our lives. We're selfish with our faith. We're selfish with our family. We're selfish with our finances. We're selfish with our time. We are so selfish with what God is doing in our lives. Everything that God has given you is not all about you. Yes, you're supposed to enjoy it, but even more than enjoying it, you're supposed to enjoy sharing it. Because after all, you're a disciple. You're, you've been commissioned to recruit other people. I wish my mother-in-law was in here. She, she would be the prime candidate with that prime America situation. Uh, her whole pretense, because I, I wouldn't mind selling life insurance, but I'm not down with the recruiting. I, I don't want to bring people to work for me. I, I, I'm not looking for that. I got a problem with working with the people I got to work with now. I, I, I just simply let me, I can sell you anything because if it's good and it's what you need, let me sell it to you. But the whole design of the leadership of Primerica, which is a great company once I started researching it and understanding it, the whole design of it is that you should be willing, because you've been blessed, you should have a desire to want to recruit somebody else so that they can be blessed. The whole pretense of it, and, and I had an issue with it. My wife used to get me because I used to call it a pyramid scheme, and it's not a pyramid scheme. I understand that now. They have an understanding of discipleship. What they learn, they go out and teach someone else so that they can move up in leadership. They don't do it to keep people up under them, but they do it so they can learn and teach somebody else so that they can go up in leadership. It's supposed to always be a growth process. Listen what Jesus Christ said early. He said, listen, it's going to start in Jerusalem, but it has to what? Spread out. The church is a pyramid scheme. God has given me a word. I've taken his word, applied it to my life. As a part of applying it to my life, I've what? Shared it with the people. Once I share it with the people, it's now what? 
your responsibility to apply it to your life. Once you apply it to your life, what are you supposed to do? Share it with somebody else. If we were all doing what God is asking us to do, imagine how fast the kingdom of God would multiply. If everybody said, you know what, I'm going to be faithful to serve and honor God in the way that he's asked me to honor him, imagine what would take place. But the problem is, far too many of us are selfish. What if our Savior would have been selfish that day? What if he would have said, I don't want to be beat for people who are going to badmouth me. I don't want people, I don't want nails to be put in my hands for people who are going to walk around and say, no, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to have a relationship with God. He would have said, no, I, I don't want to be pierced in my side. Uh, I don't want my blood to flow as, as a river of water so that they can have healing in their body. I don't want it, let alone I don't want to die and have to go wrestle with Satan in hell to prove that he isn't God just so I can buy back people that should have been mine from day one. What if God would have said, I'm going to be selfish and I'm not going to go through this. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull a Noah's Ark all over. I'm going to pull a Noah's Ark all over. This time I'm not saving nobody. I'm going to start fresh. Because every time I want to give somebody a chance, all they do is let me down. Too many of us are walking around in life thinking that, oh, I, can, I got time to get my life together. Imagine if you were the last person on the earth. That's the problem. We got too much company here. Imagine if you were the last person on earth and you had nobody else to talk to but God. The way you live life would be totally different. But because we have so many other things to entertain us and distract us, we don't have the relationship that we're supposed to have with God. If work ain't got your time, empire ain't got your time. If empire ain't got your time, the nail shop got your time. The nail shop ain't got your time, the beauty shop got your time. Something, barbers, the barbers got the broads. Don't, don't, don't let me leave you. And Papa Mel, you working on cars. I ain't going to leave you out either. And so here it is. We got all of these things that are able to take our time, but we complain about giving an hour to God. We should be giving God 23 and taking one. We should go to sleep thinking about the goodness of God. Wake up thinking about the goodness of God. Starting our day telling somebody about the goodness of God. I wish, I'm thankful that I'm here now, but I wish I could have been there to see it all. To be gifted with the opportunity for Jesus to look me in my face and commission me to go share the gospel. When we think about the resurrection, that's the badge of honor we should put on. This is why the resurrection is the heart of the Christian faith. Because the resurrection is truly God's power assigning us our purpose. It's God's confirmation showing us that his word is true. It's God being clear through clarification, making sure we know that he, his authority is the only authoritative point that we need to fall submissive to. It's him going even further with simply just showing us that he loves us no matter what, that he would go forth and consecrate us. Why? So that we can become a new creation under him. Easter should not be the only day that we seek to know God. 
Easter is every day. Every day you rise out of your bed, you should think of heroes. You should think that you have the opportunity to live for God. So when we think about the resurrection, yes, we, we, we'll have Easter bunnies, but we're going to have Jesus first. When we think about the resurrection, yes, we're going to have some good food, but we're going to get the real food first. Why? Because we know because he rose, we rose. Father God, we